Let's roll. This is Counter Charge, your podcast for all things Kings of War. Join your hosts as they delve into the world of Mantica and bring you in-depth coverage of all things Kings of War. Welcome to Countercharge. I'm Alex Coos, your Countercharge Canadian correspondent. This episode will provide coverage of some of the recent events in the Northeast region. The Crossroads GT happened on September 28th and 29th, and two teams from Canada went down to challenge our friends from the South. I'll have an event recap with my team, the A-Team, as well as some interviews from the event. T.O. Corey Reynolds, Mid-Atlantic player, and T.O. Mike Adkins, and a pair of the creative geniuses behind the New England War Kings Prizes and Terrain Lab, Doug Blake and Joe Taylor. Also, last week, Kyle from Mantic and Mastercrafted fame came up to my neck of the woods to visit the mini wargaming bunker where I had a chance to talk to him about growing the gaming scene in Southern Ontario and 3rd Edition. I also received a tour of the bunker and talked with the manager, Josh, about Mini Wargaming YouTube channel and how it might play a role in growing the Kings of War community at large. This is Alex Coos, the Canadian Countercharge foreign correspondent, and I'm here <laughs> live at Crossroads with uh, the tournament organizer, Corey Reynolds. Hey, Alex, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? How's the weekend going? Good so far. So we're sitting here at the end of day one on Saturday night, right. so um, all the games are over. We're actually well into the evening time of board gaming and yeah. after dinner activities, so everybody's kind of chilling out, not having a good time. Right, so you're not only the organizer this weekend, you're also playing Ringer. Yes, so how's yes. That... So I would say Kings of War is the only event that would allow this to even be possible, right? <laughs> so in other events, I don't think there's any way the tournament organizer could even think about playing and actually doing justice to the tournament, but because there are so few rules, issues, and questions that come up throughout the course of the event that it actually allows us to do that. And so it just worked out. It worked out. Unfortunately, we had a team drop out at the very last second. We're here at Crossroads, and a lot of the ringers that we had already lined up um, had already been used on some of the other teams to fill in spots. Right. So we were fortunate. Uh, my son jumped in to play some games, and we had a couple of guys still ready. Like Chris O'Brien moved over from the Age of Sigmar tournament to come play Kings of War. And nice. I stepped in to play, play games today. So we were able to make it so we had an even number of teams and be able to go from there. Perfect. So it worked out well. Plus, I got some good helpers with Drew Saxton and my wife, Melissa, who are here doing scorekeeping, answering questions, um, taking care of all the logistics and stuff that allowed me to kind of step in and play a game. So it's been very helpful. You can't do it, can't do it by yourself, that's no, for sure. Yeah, it's a well-schooled, uh, your professional shout-outs there. You got yeah. you're very, <laughs> very specific and uh, appreciative. Um, so let's, for the listener, just like, can you give us an overview of the Crossroads format? Because it's a, a little unique for a Kings of War sure, tournament. Sure, So uh, let Last year, we decided um, for Crossroads that we were going to switch over to four-man team tournaments. Um, there wasn't anything particularly like that in the Kings of War community, at least in the U.S. anywhere. And we wanted to do something different that gave people a reason to come out and maybe get a little more cross-regional travel for people, a reason to come out to um, a different area and play games, something different than their standard local tournament. So what we're doing here is um, you come with a team of four, and so um, if you know 
go for it with three other people. You get them all together. You come out here as a team. Otherwise, we've also managed to make arrangements for people that were looking for teams to kind of pair up together. Three per people picking up an extra player, or two people and two people coming out together. So we were able to uh, do that. And when you get here, you're paired up team on team. So four player team against another four player team. And at the beginning of the round, you've got 20 minutes to kind of pair matchups with your opponent. And how that works is you both each nominate two players in secret to start off the matchup process. And then you, um, both teams roll the dice. The winner of the dice roll gets to choose whether I would like to decide who those two people are facing from the two that were nominated for my opponent. Or would I rather choose the scenario that the two people are going to play after they've been paired? So there's a little mini game before the for the actual right, little mini meta gaming going. Yeah. On, right. And then after you do that for the first two people that have been um, chosen chosen for the first two two matchups, then the next two you switch roles. So right. the person that picked the matchup for the first two players then picks the, the scenario for the last two players and vice versa. Yeah. And then you go play a game of one on one within your team. And the team, that you just uh, track your tournament points as a team, and that's how you go throughout the course of the tournament. Great. How many teams do you have this year? So this year we got 18 teams. That's So 72, 72 players. That's yes. huge. That's yep. like one of the biggest Kings of War tournaments in the world right it's, now. It's pretty, it's pretty huge. Yeah, and we got people from all over the U.S., mm -hmm. mid-Atlantic. Yeah, so a lot of people traveled here yeah. this time, and I, I know there's already people that are planning for next year to come out from even further away. Some people coming yeah. from overseas, some people coming yeah. from West Coast coming from Texas area, so yeah. um, we're gonna we're even gonna expand even further. We've got room here in this hall to bring in 22 teams, so yeah. we can, I know it was we can my, accommodate more. It was my first two-day GT last year, and I was yeah, like, as soon so that, as was, the, that was the first tournament you guys came to with your group. And yeah, well, from, I was like, oh, you come to something special then. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a big deal. It was like uh, I'd never been to a two-day tournament, and it was like this is a a big two-day tournament. It's quite an experience. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, and I think everybody enjoyed it. I mean, the the feedback we got last year after we did it was like this is the most fun we love it it's great yeah so now that's what we're going to do every year we're going to just do the four-man team tournament yeah. format i think it's forward. great because because like in a normal tournament you face five people over the weekend mm -hmm. the main people you interact with other than friday and saturday night with right. the, but this way your team of four is interacting with a team of four mm -hmm. so there's a lot more camaraderie there's a lot more banter and a little bit yeah. of heckling back i think that the fun levels up right because yeah. even if your game's not going well you're rooting for your teammates you you are trying Absolutely. To do well, so there's there's more more skin in the game than just what happens in your own game. Right? Yeah, you're, that just like you said, it amps up the com, the camaraderie aspect. Yeah, great. So how long has Crossroads been an event? So we've been doing this 13 years now. Wow. Um, so we started obviously with doing Warhammer Fantasy um, seventh edition events, and then uh, we grew over time. Um, at the peak of Warhammer Fantasy, we had 120 people at this event hall playing Warhammer Fantasy, and then after. Um, the, the great sundering yes. for Warhammer. Um, we switched over to Kings of War and we kind of went to a multi-system format just to kind of give people a chance to play whatever they wanted to, whether it was Age of Sigmar, Ninth Age, or Kings of War. Uh, obviously, the community fractured. We saw a steep decline in the attendance here, so we were down around like 30 people coming for Kings of War at that point. And each year after that, after that change, after second edition came out, we saw steady, steady growth every year. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, the community just keeps people, getting stronger. People. Right. And it's not just old people that are repatriating back into the game. It's new gamers that are coming in that are discovering Kings of War and finding it. And yeah. saying, you know, this is awesome. We want to be part of this. And, and they're 
coming and joining them now. Right. So like, yeah, last year we were the one Canadian team. Now there's two Canadian mm-hmm. teams coming. Yeah, you guys just came out of nowhere, right? I yeah. mean, yeah. The, we hadn't seen anybody anybody from your group before. All of a sudden, you're like, oh yeah, we're here, and we got a group of like 12 people up in yeah. the Toronto area. Yeah. So. No, and it's great. And this is every event I go to, and you know, my club mates will agree. Like, it's you, just, you get to meet more great people, and like having an event that's like this. Where you're getting a wide, you're you're casting a wider net. You get to meet more of the community. Right, I think that's the fun part, right? Is just playing and meeting people that maybe you've seen online, you've talked to on Facebook, played on Universal Battle, whatever. Yeah. You get to one of these larger events, and you're just oh, now I'm putting faces with names. I'm getting to talk to people in person that I've met online or just right. heard about or read about and something like that. So yeah, it's a good it's a good time, right? So you're you're a pretty seasoned uh, tournament organizer, event organizer. And you're gonna be organizing the Masters this year. Yeah. In uh, February? Yep. So February 23rd, 24th, we are going to be running the, the U.S. Masters event here in uh, upstate New York at the Tioga Downs Casino and Resort uh, in Nichols, New York. So uh, what that's going to be is we're going to run the Masters event, the typical 64-player Masters. And then alongside of that, because we are actually going to be in a casino and resort, uh, we've got a large venue. And so we're going to run a 40-player side event as, alongside of the Masters. And so it's going to be an open play, and we're just going to call it the best of the rest, GT. (laughs) So anybody that didn't qualify for Masters that wants to come out and take part and be part of the atmosphere, travel, meet all the people from around the country that they might never really get a chance to meet or play against, um, we can do that and get an opportunity to have people come out from all the different areas and play. Make it a more inclusive event with over 100 people. It's huge. That'd be great. And so the the venue is awesome. It's a, a huge banquet hall with the stage area. Uh, the bar is literally right outside of the venue. The casino is 40 steps away. The hotel is brand new. Uh, so we've got we've got uh, Valley Shuttle going back and forth from the airport to the casino bringing people back and forth. So uh, we've got a, a pretty good setup up here for that. So I'm looking forward to uh, yeah. uh, what I hope will be a really good turnout for this yeah. event. So as a seasoned TO, um, what's your favorite aspect of actually organizing these events well so I like I like like you said I like meeting all the people just hanging out um, talking getting I mean I've become very very good friends with a lot of people that come to these events and uh, especially here in the Northeast I think there's a very tight community everybody just is very friendly and they know about people's personal lives outside of the game right and so not just you're catching up you're catching up with friends every time you go to these events right and so that's what I really appreciate about this and I like just because I'm not typically not playing usually and I uh, do that so that, that's that's one of my uh, favorite things about running the event right is just the, the ability to just catch up with people and the social aspect, right? right? And just, I'm glad that people are having a good time. I think that's important, and that means a lot, right? Yeah, so that's so, cool. That's yeah. The community is the strength of the game. I think. I think that's just the recurring theme. I think everyone I've talked to for Countercharge and all weekend, it's just like even the new the guys who've never been to a tournament this weekend, they're just like they're all happy. They're all enjoying themselves. Circling back, like. The community is like be, organizing these events just helps build the community and like actually helps bring everyone together, which is part of the game. Like the game's nothing if you don't have opponents. Right, it. right. And like you're saying, like I was the ringer for my event this summer, and you can't. It would be impossible to run a game 
or run a tournament for a game that didn't run as smoothly as Kings right, of War. If it was more complicated, if they had more rules issues, if there was too much too much shenanigans that would happen yeah. that you were you were constantly making rules calls on that people didn't understand the rules. I think it's very says a lot about the game and how it flows that people just understand the rules and there are very few unclear situations yeah. that, that happen. There are some, but not a ton. And just the attitude that people have when they come into the game. I think since it's such a tight rule set, it just filters out the people who want to abuse that. Right, so, right. whereas other game systems, you, it's very contentious mm-hmm. at times. I think you just don't see that. In right, if, you, if you're into gaming part of the list building process, or you, you want to take advantage of some loopholes and some rules, yeah. this game will not appeal to you because those situations are rare and just technically are very hard to uh, make occur in yeah, real life. Yeah, it's very hard to exploit anything mm-hmm. in Kings of War. So, with Kings, uh, Kings of War 3rd Edition coming out, right. what are you excited about? What are you uh, planning? For 3rd Edition, I'm, I'm excited to see where Mantic is taking uh, the direction of Kings of War. I think they've matured as a games developer, uh, some of the rule sets that they're building. I think it shows the fact that they're not going to Kickstarter for this, they're going direct to retail with this. just it shows, shows that the maturity and strength as a company yeah. and the confidence in what they're going to put out, right? So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I think it will be significantly different than what second edition is now. Maybe not gameplay-wise, but things that you might take typically and how the lists get built, I think that will change. Right. I'm just curious to see what the, what they're kind of pushing as a yeah. as a competitive army as something that they're really looking to get their players in focus. Like to how it shakes out. Right, just right. Like what is there when the dust settles? Right. So do you have any? Are you just waiting for all that to happen before you yes. make any plans for new armies? Or well, so I've got a lot of stuff. Right? Yeah, <laughs> I've been collecting these these models for many many years. So right. I'm, I'm I'm pausing kind of all of my own personal building, but right. I'm just just waiting to see what happens. We'll see what direction I decide to go yeah. with that. And like with Mantic's new like resins and all their new like miniatures are coming out. Mm-hmm. Like everything just keeps oh, getting better. Right, right. Yep, their sculpting is getting better. Their uh, the painting is getting better from the studio aspect so yeah they're doing a lot of good stuff and so um, excited to see them grow the hobby they're actually reaching out to new players people are seeing Kings of War they're seeing Mantic uh, what they're putting out there I think what we've done this weekend so we've, we've got a little side event going for Age of Sigmar we've got 18 players playing Age of Sigmar here right I've already had three people that are over there looking at all the models that we've got on the raffle table they're like this is some really cool stuff and so how much does this stuff usually go for and I was like showing them some of the retail prices they're like wow that's like a third of what I pay for Games Workshop prices and they're excited so now I've got people local here that were playing Age of Sigmar that want to come out they want to play Kings of War and they want to learn about the game and they're like yeah this could be interesting we really are we really want to see it so I think just getting it out there in the public eye more and more will pull people in because they see what it's doing they see the amount of fun that's happening here with the event too and it's it's amazing I think it's really good stuff yeah I think the modeling the multi-basing and the display boards are really visually appealing right but then it's like adding in like actually great looking magic models on top of that just helps like strengthen the community for them as well yeah but I think that we've got some really good looking armies here right absolutely so when you just look around the room and you see that you're like "Eh, I want to be a part of that yeah that's one of the best parts of the game I think is like you know the community is great but it's a fun game to look at like mm-hmm. it's just visually appealing yep. so. and then you talk about the community aspect here so last night well Friday so everybody gets here like between 3 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon and not because they feel compelled to get here because they're, like, they're ready to hang out they want to see people play games drink eat have fun yeah. and that hangout goes till 2-3am in the morning yes it does Friday night 
game starts Saturday, everybody's like, I'm done at 6, let's eat, do the same thing over again Saturday night. So it is one long hangout weekend. I mean, we're we're blessed because we've got a great space here in the right. hotel, so people don't have to split off and go anywhere. But people are, I mean, that hall is still full yes, here at... 11 o'clock at night. Right. And we've been gaming since 9 a.m. So nobody stopped, nobody's gone, nobody's out doing their own thing. This whole yeah. community is out hanging out, chill, having yeah. a great time. I love it. That's why we drive all over the Northeast. Right, <laughs> right. It's a tight It's a tight community. Everybody's really into it and yeah. wants to hang out. No, And it's growing, which is even more, more exciting, like every year. Absolutely. All right, thanks, Corey. I really appreciate you organizing this event and yep. taking your time to talk to us about it. Yep, and so hopefully people are interested uh, to come out to Crossroads. I know there's a, a lot of people out there that have expressed interest over the years. So, um, again, Crossroads is the last weekend in September every year, and that's that's our date. That's when we'll be doing this. We'll be doing the four-man team event going forward. So looking forward to getting some new people out here uh, that maybe travel from some of the other regions to get here, and uh, as well as Masters next year at the end of February and the side event as well. So registration will be coming soon for that. We'll be opening. Uh-huh. So we'll get that, obviously, if the master's qualifications, as those come out, those people will be coming. But we'll be opening opening registration for the side event here very, very shortly as well. Awesome. And we'll put links to uh, Crossroads GT and all that yep. in the show notes so everyone can check it out. Cool. All right. Thanks. Right. Thanks, Alex. No problem. This is uh, Alex Koos, the Canadian Countercharge Foreign Correspondent, here with Mike Adkins of the Mid-Atlantic at Crossroads GT. Uh, Mike is on the Aristocrats, and I'm just here to talk about the events of the weekend and the General Kings of War scene up here in the Northeast and Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're here. It's uh, it's Saturday night at Crossroads. We're having a great time. We did, we did three rounds today. Um, Corey's doing a great job running the event, as always. Uh, you know they have they have dinner catered in from from a local Mexican place, so you don't have to go anywhere, which I, I absolutely love keeping everybody together, letting everybody hang out. And yeah, we're we're in the middle of the uh, you know everybody playing uh, board games and having a few drinks and hanging out part of the evening. All right, so Mike, what uh, army did you bring this year or this uh, tournament? This tournament, I'm I'm still playing my undead that I just finished up yep. uh, over the summer uh, that I've been taking to tournaments around. Right, enjoying yeah. playing, yeah. And you do, how, how, did you, how did your day go? Um, I am I'm two and one. Yeah. I'm two and one. Uh, and kind of the cool thing about the, the team tournament format that Corey's doing here um, is it's, it, it's really more important how, how your team does overall rather than how you do individually. Uh, because, you know, your four-person team is playing against another four-person team. So, you know, the matchups are based on uh, what, what other team you're playing. Uh, and, and you have to like negotiate the scenarios a little bit, you get to pick the scenarios a little bit. Um, and sometimes like you're, you're, you're the guy that, that your team is like throwing on a grenade basically. It's like, yeah. okay, no, nobody here wants to step on that landmine, but one of us has to, and you have the best chance of losing like the smallest of that list. So like, you're gonna get a really bad matchup and you're gonna lose, just try to play conservative and lose small. And it's a, it, it's a very different mindset. Like usually at, at tournaments, like you're, you're going in guns blazing because you want to win every round. Uh, but here it's like, no, 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 you, you know that you're the guy who's trying to play as conservatively and lose as small as possible because we know we're going to lose one of these. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm two and one. Uh, we're doing pretty well as a team. I think we're currently in maybe third or fourth or something like that. That's cool. Uh, yeah, and, and just having a great time. So did you, with that team aspect of the strategy in, uh, involved, did you come into Crossroads with a different strategy with list design, or did you guys talk as a team about that? Um, we, we talk a lot about 
I think the, the scenarios might be more important um, when you're thinking about putting together the the four lists that you're going to play. Um, is is uh, knowing like which scenarios your team is really strong in, and, and having like somebody who can play every scenario well. Right. Um, and 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 knowing which ones your list is not built to play well at all. Right. Uh, because that's what you want to avoid. Uh, we we found like more than anything, it's it's not like what's your what's your best matchup or your 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 best scenario. It's like what one do you definitely not want to get stuck playing. Right. Uh, and so long as your team captain has a pretty good idea of those, and. You guys haven't doubled up too much, and you can spread that around. Uh, you, you you tend like we think our our approach to it is is that like you tend to get at least decent matchups as as opposed right, to, so to playing ac- with, accidental really bad matchups. Yeah, playing yeah. to your strengths, minimizing your weaknesses, right. and just like kind of thinking right that way. So yeah. who, who is on your team, and what kind of list do they have? Yeah, so it's so it's me uh, and Mike Austin and Alex Chavez and Sean McCormley, and uh, I'm playing Undead, and Alex is of course playing his dwarves. Uh, and Sean is playing uh, his elves, and Mike Austin is playing his Twilight Kin. So we kind of sort of have uh, two two shooty elf lists, right? And, and then like my list is very hammery, being like the alone undead formation, yeah. and and Alex's is very anvily, being a lot of lot of rocks. Yeah. Um, and we kind of like that because uh, one of our one of our approaches to it for folks that that, that don't know how you do the the pairings here is like you pick two people on your team you write their names on cards uh and uh the the other team does the same and then you roll to see who gets to pick the matchups versus who gets to pick the scenarios and then you turn those over um and you pair up those those two people first and then you pair up the other two people so we like having two lists that are very similar like an elf an elf list and a twilight kin list uh to put both of those up at the same time, right? Because it basically removes the choice that your opponent gets to make. It's yes. like, why? Well, I can play a shooty list, or I can play a shooty list. Yeah, yeah right. You like, get to just, you're making right. the choice even when they for have them. to make the choice. Exactly. Even if, even if they win, we still get to. Yeah. We, we still made the decision for them. Yeah. Right. And that's where, and that seems to be working out well for you. So far, so good. Yeah. yeah. Last last round, we it, it didn't we didn't get the matchups we wanted last round, and it and it showed we didn't do uh, great in uh, round three, but right. uh, it, it worked great in the first two rounds. So, so. you used abyssals with a lot of tortured soul. Last year, and, Used now, to, yep. and now using a bit more of an alpha strike uh, undead list. Undead, so, yeah. Um, how do you have you how have you found the transition like over the the summer tournament season? It's a really different play style. It's right. a really really different play style. Like I I'd gotten so used to playing like a glass hammer alpha strike list, where you know if if you get hit you're going to die. Like so I spent a lot of time learning how to like maneuver and avoid charges. Uh, and I feel like I'm probably still playing Undead a little more carefully and conservatively than I need to because they can take a punch. They're a bit more durable. Right, yeah. right. So I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm slowly getting a little more aggressive like every tournament I go to, and I'm trying to figure out like where that tipping point is. We're like, okay, now I need to back off a little yeah, bit. Like, uh, finding the too aggressive point. Exactly. Yeah. Like, at what point have I overextended myself? Right. Right. And like, your armies always look great. Thank and, you. And... Um, how did you push yourself with the modeling and painting with this mm-hmm. army? Did you have a specific goal in mind? I did. I did. I uh, I like to pick like one or two specific things that I want to work on. Right. Uh, and for this army, I really wanted to work on the multi-basing part of it and like the base decoration and the the, the dioramic aspects of right. multi-basing, um, as opposed to like a particular painting technique or something like that. So yeah. So it was a lot of uh, like what what kind of different things can I do to decorate the bases. 
um, and what kind of little vignettes and scenes can I put in, little narrative elements can I put in the different units right. uh, to, to explore all that and like yeah people seem to people seem to like yeah, it yeah it's got definitely has sets a tone and a mood that's like yeah. really you know impressive or it's like it's, it's, it's creepy in a good way yeah <laughs> thanks um, so you also run the Vanguard tournament in the spring right I do yeah yeah uh, we're coming up last week in April I think this year uh, third time's the charm I have managed to land on a weekend where I don't conflict with anything. Uh, I'm, I'm not conflicting with another tournament, and I'm not conflicting with a major holiday either. So uh, hopefully that'll that'll do good things for my turnout. And which, where is the location? Where it's it's the location? in it's in Fredericksburg, Virginia. So it's about halfway between DC and Richmond, uh, yeah. uh, right off of 95. Nice. And we yeah. uh, we were also talking to the War Kings guys, and their uh, prizes and something. Like that. You have a pretty yeah. impressive. Uh, Shield, yeah. Prize for your winner. Yeah, I get a full, a full size metal uh, shield and and paint it, uh, and give that away to the winner. And it's a it's a working shield. Yeah. Nice. It's made of metal. It's good. Um, How many years uh, has Vanguard been going? This on? is this is going to be the third year coming nice. up. Nice. And it's growing every year. It's doing a little well. bit. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to keep it small though. I like uh, keeping it like intimate feeling because because we were just talking about that. Uh, I was talking about with like uh, Brindley and uh, Ashley uh, about how like uh, tournaments this size where there are like 60 people in the room it's hard to get to talk to everybody exactly um, and if you go to a slightly like slightly smaller tournaments of like the 20 to 30 person range right. like you feel like you get to see and hang out with everybody a little bit so right. uh, I like uh, I like making sure there's a good mix of that right. uh, and I think like Chris Fisher's doing a great job running like the big uh, mid-Atlantic event in Mountaineer right. so I kind of feel like I want to try to keep mine in the like 20 to 30 person range whereas his like if if uh, Mountaineer blooms up to 50 people like that's great Chris yeah. Chris kind of wants that uh, I'd rather keep it like a little more intimate a little, little more yeah, uh, like close knit yeah kind of friends and family style exactly kind of exactly which that's the thing like, everyone always talks about like you know Kings of War is a great game but yeah. it's the community that makes the, 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 the tournament scene yeah absolutely like, that, like the people are why you keep coming back to all the events so if you can't you don't have a chance to actually hang out with everybody. Right. It's like you're missing out, sort of. Right. It's like it's great to have the big events, but you want to have you know yeah. the more intimate events as well. Yeah. So, what are your closing uh, thoughts on you know Kings of War scene right now, coming into third edition, and what are your thoughts on you know your armies or just the general scene? Um, I think I think we're in a really great place right now. I think there's a lot of enthusiasm like for third edition. Like everybody's really excited. Um, you know, people people will react strongly to little bits of, of uh, preview information uh, without knowing the whole story yet. Um, but I just interpret that as people being really passionate about the game, right? Uh, and, and that like, don't worry, it's going to even out once the book comes out. Once they play a few games, they'll adjust. It'll be fine. Uh, you know, so I don't I don't uh, take anybody saying anything. Uh, you know. There we go. So, uh, John Holst, rabble rousers from the Shambling Horde. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Yes, I. You know, um, it's it's way better to have people talking about it than, than not talking about it. Right. Like regardless of what the tone is is of it. Uh, so you know, I just uh, I just read it as like the community being really excited to to see it come out. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't and, and, be. And I'm excited. They wouldn't be upset if they didn't care. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to see. Gonna, what happens when that finally comes? Yeah, you gonna have any projects in mind? Are you gonna wait till the dust kind of settles before uh, moving I'm, on? I'm I'm gonna wait. I've got uh, I've got models that I bought for other undead units, and I'm just gonna wait and see like what what really comes out in the book, um, and what I want to try to play with. Uh, 
we got a lot of plans for for Dash Twenty Eight. Like we we want to do a lot to cover Third Edition when it right. comes out, and like really help people like sink their teeth into the book right. and uh, kind of spotlight or highlight uh, parts of it that, that we find particularly interesting. So right. like I'm I'm really excited. Like the next month is is going to be a very busy time for a lot of us. Uh, flurry of activity. Flurry of activity, uh, and and I'm just. Uh, I'm excited for yeah. it for it to get here. Yeah, it's, speaking of Dash Twenty Eight, it's a great hub, and that you've 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 created with like a Jake Cherapika and yeah. a few others. So thank you. How is that going? Like, is a what? How do you see it growing in into third edition? Sure. Um, so I think for for an eight for an eight month old website, nine month old website, uh, I think we get a really healthy amount of traffic. That's good. Uh, and I'm really happy with it. Um, I think we have a good team of contributors. Currently, uh, but we're always looking for, for more folks, uh, and so I think when you know third edition comes, like we'll just ref- we'll we'll just kind of continue refining uh, and studying what people want to read about. Right. Um, you know, one of the things I found like once once the site was up for a few months, um, and we suddenly were like a real enough website for Google to start in- including in search results. Like it's kind we, of a big moment. It's kind of a big moment, and 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 we started getting a lot more traffic from people. Um, and one of the cool things about that is uh, you can see what people were searching for that brought them to your site. So yeah. you start getting a sense of like what are people on the internet interested in reading about Kings of War? What are they looking for? Right. What's the information that's missing? Yeah, that must um, be fascinating. It is. Uh, and people people love sample lists. That's, yes. That's that's my number one takeaway. Lots of people just want to see lists. Um, so I think I, I, I think like looking to see what people want to know about third edition, right. and then trying to turn that around as fast as we can to provide good, useful, meaningful content for folks to serve the needs of the community uh, from now till you know December when Armies of Panathor comes out. Right. Uh, I think it, it is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. You know, just 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 to see like what people are doing with it. Yeah, because it's going it's gonna rejuvenate, and there's gonna be like a series of uh, period of growth and like yeah. change that's gonna like I think the whole scene is gonna have a new energy to it which would be really great yeah it's gonna be great awesome well thanks for uh coming on the podcast thank you taking some time to talk about the crossroads and kings of war endeavors thanks for having me awesome thanks this is alex coos the countercharge canadian correspondent coming at you from after day one at crossroads gt in elmira new york i'm here with Doug Blake and Joe Taylor of the New England War Kings, and we're here to just talk about their experience in with Kings of War at Crossroads and just their experience with the tournament scene in general. So, how about you introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm uh, Doug Blake. I live on Cape Cod. Um, so I've been playing for since second edition. My name's Joe Taylor. Um, I live on Cape Cod now, from Lang City, New Jersey. I've uh, been lived around the country, all over the place, but uh, resides now in Cape Cod. Yeah. What what got you guys into uh, Kings of War? Warhammer. Yeah. That started it. I mean, yeah. I used to build models as a kid, and I was in a band. Well, Doug's in a band also. Yep. And one time, my bass player walked down his basement, and I see this table laid out with all these little miniatures, and it, I was just like, "What is this? I mean, you could paint them and play a game." And it just blew me away. Yeah, it blew me away. Make the terrain uh, hand gestures, but you can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, likewise, uh, used to play Warhammer from back in like fifth edition, I think it was when I started. I can remember seeing White Dwarf as a kid. Uh, I also loved models. Used to build models. Um, 
And once Warhammer did what Warhammer did, I remember even before I started playing Kings of War, hearing about Kings of War on the internet and being like, we should try this, and then we didn't. Right. And then eventually, I think it might have been Josh who said, oh, there's this new game we're going to play. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm down. And so we started playing then in our, our local store. All right. Is this your first time at Crossroads? Yes. Mine too. Yeah. yeah. What's your uh, feeling after the first day? It's yeah. big. It's big, man. I thought a long ride, but it was well worth the ride because we didn't know what to expect. But it's beyond what I thought. You know, I'd, yeah, I'd, got, a lot going on. Yeah, like 72 players. Yeah, it's big. impressive. There's times where you're in there's other games being played, and there'll be times where you you just stop and you look, and just the room is filled with other people, and it's really cool because they're all enjoying sort of like the same hobby, which right. is kind of awesome. And New England War Kings, they brought two teams uh, this, this year. year? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. That's awesome. Nuke one, nuke two. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you guys uh, uh, in New England War Kings, um, they have your own tournament, right, too? We do. We have um, Orktown, uh, Orktown GT, yep. which uh, we've had two now. So we'll be going into our third uh, GT this summer. Um, I was yeah. doing hand motions as well. You know, we're totally used <laughs> to the podcast thing. Yeah. Um, so you guys are kind of in charge of, like, Prize, like building the prizes and making the prizes, right? Creativity department. <laughs> Joe and I, we were dubbed the team trophy. Yeah. Um, and we also worked on a lot of the terrain. Yeah, like, our, of like Ron, the Great Con, and stuff like that. And yeah. my house has like, I literally have four workbenches with tools laid out everywhere for any kind of situation. Right. From sanding to cutting to drilling to plastic to melting. We, yeah. It's like a laboratory at my place, man. So describe some of the, like I know I was at Orktown this year and the prizes were impressive to say the least. So give, give us a little overview of uh, what the overall prizes and some of the bigger, you know. So well, at least from my point of view, I think, because everyone works on some of the trophies, but like Joe and I especially are sort of come up with the ideas and we're sort of the creative force and then other people, you know, K2 will he made a bunch of medals and so we we knew right away when we did the gt we wanted to have like a standard this is what you're going to get like the equivalency of a plaque or a, or a thing like that that's easy everyone it's the same for everyone but then especially what joe and i do which in my mind like when i talk to my wife i call them the prizes so they go with the medals so we right. were like we're going to have these medals which are from our character's fluff you know, it's their head. We've got a different bust each. Yeah, because the New England War Kings have a pretty extensive fluff with their, you know, gaming group, right? It, have yeah. War King Landia. War King Landia, a lot of different characters. Skullface, um, <laughs> among others, the Great Khan, you know, all sorts of characters that we've kind of developed just amongst our group. But through the magic and amazingness of the internet and uh, social media, you can share those things with everyone, and so there might be a bunch of listeners that know who Skullface is, perhaps, Yes. Um, and yet never actually met any of us, but we knew that we wanted ours to be bigger than anything we'd ever been to. Oh, slightly a little bit bigger than and more outrageous, but not too crazy, but just over the edge. Yeah. yeah. Just take it to the limits, man. When we test our shelves, too, when we do this stuff, we never thought we could do, like... Ahead of a, a, a griffin corn, you know, and people are like, what's a griffin corn? You know, like, it's part unicorn and part griffin. Yeah. <laughs> How big was this griffin corn? Is it for the listeners? Like, we wanted it to be, if you imagine a griffin and you killed one and you mounted it on your wall like a deer, like life size. Right. So it is. 
So it has a mount, and it's, and it's probably you know it, they picture a deer head. Yeah, but with a horn sticking out, right. feathers. Yeah, and what what was the second place prize, Doug? Uh, that was the the stink. Now many people think it's a baby. That's a full size stink. So for those of you that know Mantic with their little, the were they orklings? Orklings. Those little the essentially what was a snotling. In Warhammer days, but those little, a little goblin, and we envisioned that that sort of thing is um, full grown, and so I made one in a cage. Uh, in my mind, I imagine that various uh, orcs and/or goblins would sort of keep those like chickens or roosters. They probably fight them, you know. They eat them. They they trade them. And so I wanted. And it was funny. We had the the griffin head that Joe and I were like, we're gonna do this, like we're gonna. And then I had in my head, I want to put something in a, in a cage. I want it to be a full-sized to the type of thing it is. And I, I think we achieved it, I, I, yeah. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of people, they really wanted to win the Griffin Corn, but then they didn't want to get second place. My wife suggested it should probably be last place trophy, but a lot of work went into that, and I was like, nah, second place is getting that. It was weird to buy at the store, because it's based off of a small, like, doll that yep. I got from a thrift store and I distinctly remember being like I'm just going to buy this and just just don't say anything. You know, I'll get like a, a pair a shirt or something too to go with it. There's a box for some other trophy. Just like, just put it on the aisle and just be like, yep, buying a weird baby for no reason. Don't mind me. I'm a 36-year-old guy. Just like, why do I need a baby doll? Maybe I have a daughter. I don't. Or maybe I have a son. I don't. And I'm just going to do it. And, and the lady in front of me was like, what are you there and I was like, oh, this is the worst. But and then I painted it, modified it. Yeah. So we'll provide uh, a link for some photos <laughs> for the so we get some visuals for the listeners because I feel like that's one of the best things about the tournament scene. Like every group has their own spin on things. Like you know, you can like bring out the personality of your gaming group by creating an event that lets you people like you, Doug and Joe, like be creative and like express yourselves in things beyond just painting an army like actually exploring the fluff in different ways yeah, it's fun man it's really fun uh, just I mean the stuff we have plans I mean, we got like a couple of years I think of ideas yeah we have themes for each yeah. GT I hit yard sales all the weekend and sometimes I'll just see something and it just sparks something an idea you know, I just acquired a couple of jaw bones of a horse that's going to become a headset from the great Khan if anybody knows the Khan yeah. He's a Mongolian goblin, so it's going to be his big Mongolian hat with his jawbones hanging off the hat, and it's just ridiculous. That's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love repurposing stuff, yeah. and I, I love things, you know, I was always like a Star Wars kid, right? and one of the things I loved about Star Wars was that it felt lived in, and I really like being able to create essentially what are like, almost like props. Right. That they have a story to them. So, you know, making these little trophies. Is... And it helped out with my cosplay past because I did a lot of steampunk and stuff. And I got to learn some tactics from that. A material called Warbler. Right. It cheats of plastic with sawdust in it. But if you cut it, apply heat to it, you can bend it around things and it stays. And it's like armor. Right. And it sticks to each other. You can seam it. I mean, it's endless. Endless yes. what you can do with it. So it's kind of like doing like display boards and conversions plus like it's like oh, taking yeah. everything to the next level and just making a tournament like have you know a, be more than just a bunch of games like you don't just win a, a prize a gift certificate or like a voucher and some like a box army you get something that you can mount on your wall because we all have I mean I'm assuming that people are like me where you have a whole basement full. that is just full of stuff and you're yeah. like huh 
but you're not going to have a Grifficorn head because we wouldn't even be able to recreate that again exactly right. the same because yeah. we literally made it by being like, all right, I'll hold it. And now, okay, you put that there. All right, all right, all right, now I'll twist it this way. And we just like made it. Yeah. And then once we put the eyes in, which was amazing that Joe just had those eyes. I, I had a pair of mannequin eyes and that the, my eyes did it. You know, yeah. Like, <laughs> you just riffed off each other until you got it just right, yeah, which man. is awesome. And we mesh our brains real well about like the vision, like Joe said, like mm-hmm. for the Grifficorn, which yeah. was, we say that because yeah. that was a big one last year. That was the number one yeah. prize. But it was like we both said we want to make this without really explaining what it was going to be. And it was the same thing. Like, right. We had the same vision in our head. And so what, like, other than just like, being able to explore your creativity, like, and lots. Of, what's your favorite thing about King's Award? It's kind of like a wrap up. Uh, the community, honestly, for me, uh, it's really nice to be able to see people from, you know, all around the world. Really, um, like meeting you, honestly. Right. Uh, like, thank you. To other people, like, I've, I've never been to Canada before. I went up to their GT, which was a great time, and like, I wouldn't have done that if I wasn't playing this game. You know, I played those other games, and we sort of did the community. I did a couple of things, but. I've really, you know, met a lot of people that are my friends now that I would not have met if it wasn't for this game. I enjoy the game. I've all, I'll always enjoy the, like, hobby aspect, painting, but, like, I think the community is actually something I really love about this scene. Right yeah, now. that's awesome. Yeah, knowing our stuff is going out there in other parts of the world. Yeah. It's phenomenal, you know. Like, I'm, I'm a former licensed tattooist. Yeah. I got nerve damage, so I can't do that anymore. Right. So I'm like, what am I going to do now? I'm going to go into other stuff that I know I can do. You know, I'm, my carpentry background, my artistic background, it's, it just and it's great to see that stuff going out there and someone else appreciating it. You know, and really appreciating it. Yeah, it's awesome. I think I think you're, I totally agree. Like community makes the game. Yeah. Like the game's yeah. great, but the people who play it are the reason I keep coming back to events. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. It'd be a great game, but if everyone sucked that played it, I'd probably go play a different game. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thanks for uh, spending some time sharing your thoughts and your creative process, and good luck on day two. Uh, thanks, thanks Alex, man. Yeah. Pleasure. Alex. Awesome. Good day, this is Alex Coos, your Countercharge Canadian correspondent, and I'm here with Josh from Mini Wargaming at the Mini Wargaming Bunker. Hello, hello. Thanks so much for having me on. It's my pleasure. This has been a, a great tour of an amazing facility. Uh, we're just here tonight uh, previewing Kings of War 3rd Edition with uh, Kyle Przlinski. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to be able to say his last name properly. Yeah, I don't think I did. I think I butchered <laughs> that up, but I tried. <laughs> We're here in Welland, Ontario. Uh, Josh has a great facility with like upwards of 15 or 16 gaming tables and a whole bunch of like suites where you can stay overnight for your gaming needs. And you know, we, we're right beside a giant terrain warehouse. Like Your facility is really impressive. So... I wonder if you could give the listeners a bit of a history lesson on mini wargaming. Oh, for sure. Um, so I can, I'll, I'll speak to the the time that I've been with the company. So I've been with mini wargaming for um, about three and a half years or so now, I think. Uh, you know, time flies. And um, for those not familiar with mini wargaming, we are a primarily known for the YouTube channel. Right. Uh, so we produce uh, wargaming bat reps. Uh, you know, we're, we're typically known for being pretty heavily focused on uh, Games Workshop uh, games. Okay. Um, but we're definitely looking to branch out and, you know, cover some other content. 
Um, so the company's been around for about 11 years, and we've seen a lot of different growth. Uh, Miniware even started off as, you know, a store and gaming club, got into doing uh, videos. Uh, the, sh the store eventually had uh, shut down, and we went full uh, studio mode. And yeah, just producing uh, bat reps. So with the new facility we've moved into, that's been uh, relatively recent in the last six months or so. Um, so we're still in Welland. We're still close by, if you're familiar with where the old building was. Um, but we've moved into a new facility that's about 11,500 square foot. And for our American listeners, Welland is about, what, 20, 30 minutes from Buffalo? Um, it's probably, I'd say, yeah, about half an hour from uh, the border. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I usually tell people about 20 minutes outside of Niagara Falls. Perfect. Um, so relatively easy to uh, get to. We have quite a few people that come up from Buffalo. Uh, and for our international guests that come in, a lot of them fly into Buffalo and then drive up. Um, so yeah, with the facility now, uh, we still have our, our film studios downstairs, our uh, collection of miniatures. But the things we've been able to add on that I'm super excited about as I've been kind of overseeing them is we have got a... Um, an event hall in the back of the building. Right. So currently we have, uh, I think it's 16 six by four tables set up. Perfect. A variety of table war mats and terrain that, you know, people, if the if the building's open, they're allowed to, you know, come and make use of the space. Right. Um, pretty much plan whatever they want. Um, yeah, and then, an, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah, there is a, uh, a wide variety of games going on upstairs. There's like, uh, some Battlefront, some uh, Flames of War, some 40K. We've got some Kings of War demos going on yes. today, and some like AOS I saw. So there's lots of different, you know, games, and it's it's, it's system agnostic. So it's, everyone's welcome. Right. You know, and the idea is we want to build that community up, and we want to you know get more locals coming in and making use of the space. You know, it's one of those if you build it, they will come. Mm -hmm. So we've been working very close with um, Dan from Max Aggression, who's opened up his second location here inside of the bunker facility. So he's right. got his store. Um, so, you know, transplanting a lot of his crowd coming to play here because uh, there's a little bit more space, but then trying to draw more um, locals in as well. Uh, last, you know, exciting thing is that we have uh, on the upper floor of the uh, bunker, we have five rooms that are available to rent out. Right. And basically with that, the idea is that it's the uh, it's your bed facilities, it's your sleepover facilities. So if you want to come here for multiple days, um, that's a-okay. You're not stuck at, you know, going back and forth uh, to and from a hotel every day. If you right. want to stay on site and have access to the event hall all night, that's what we want to uh, be able to offer to people. That's great, yeah. And uh, listeners can check out the Facebook page. I grabbed a few photos of some of the suites and the, yep. the gaming facilities. It's really something to behold. It's great. Yeah, for sure. And I always encourage people, um, if you want to get a hold of me, you can email me, joshamanywargaming.com. And I can uh, share some pictures. I can direct you towards some of our uh, social media. The Bunker has its own Facebook page, separate from the Mini Wargaming Facebook page. But you okay. can find them uh, from each other. Great. So Kyle came in from Mantic to showcase Kings of War 3rd Edition, walk you guys through some games. Uh, what's your, what are your impressions of the game system? Okay, so, I mean, I, I didn't get the chance to be the one filming with Kyle, but I've had the chance to talk a lot with Kyle and mm -hmm. uh, play some demo games with him. So overall, I mean, the impression is I, I'm a big fan of the rank and flank style of game. Right. I've played a couple different ones, and I think the the, the big thing for me um, for Kings of War is just it's the flow of it, mm -hmm. and it's the I guess the accessibility of it that I'm really excited about. Right. Because unlike some of those other game systems that you know I've played, um, just the way, just the the style in which it's played, in which you build your units and everything else, uh, 
it's a lot less daunting for people to get into. Right. And then the gameplay itself, I find, flows very nice, and it's it just kind of makes sense. Right. You don't have to bust out, you know, this big giant rule book that weighs forty pounds and. You know, uh, try to figure out every tiny little detail of how to move properly. Um, there's enough kind of crunch to the game that there's there's depth to it, but it's it's not overly convoluted for being the sake of overly convoluted. Yeah, like we were saying, like we had a conversation earlier about how complexity doesn't mean convoluted. Like you can have depth of gameplay without it being confusing. Right. You know, it. it I find some of these other games that. I mean, I love to death, but uh, a lot of the memories, it's its because I'm playing with people that are so into the game because it's not accessible to others. And I mm-hmm. think that's, you know, sometimes a talking point of why some of these other games really aren't as popular. Right. So they kind of become these niche products and these exactly. niche communities. And where, like, I think with Kings of War, that accessibility really helps, has helped build a really strong community. And that's like one of the best parts of the game is the people that it attracts. So, you know, the event scene, the tournament scene, is really a very friendly environment for everyone. So, Which is something that's, I mean, very interesting for us. And what we're hoping to do, you know, to be able to host events and things like that here, is I'm looking for different games that have a, you know, a healthy, friendly gaming community uh, that, you know, we can run events that people from all over the place are going to be welcome to. You know, Mm -hmm. I know sometimes with some games... Um, the local meta is pretty stuck on these are the guys that play this game around here and right. they're the ones that go to tournaments and it could be a little bit scary as an outsider coming in. Absolutely. And obviously, you know, with the facilities we have here, we want to be able to offer these events that we're going to run um, worldwide. Like anybody can right. come from anywhere and feel welcome to take part. So I, from from the, the experiences I've had with the Mantic community so far, I think it's definitely one of the best companies to do this sort of thing with. Yeah, I think this space is super welcoming. You've been a great host, and just the, the entire vibe here is great. And I think that meshes with the, the group of people that get attracted to Kings of War and Mantic games. Like, we have people who come for their first game at a tournament and then leave, you know, completely happy and like they don't feel beaten down, even though they've lost all the games. But they just, it's an, it's an inclusive experience. It's not, you don't feel like you're ever like, being you know ground into the the dust and yep. you don't feel dejected at the end you always feel like there's somewhere to go at the end of the game well i mean because i look at some of the other games i've played both and you know the fun or the more competitive um styles of play and yeah it, with kings of war with what i've experienced so far is that you're never really out of the game there's always still some chances right. and you know some opportunities to make some smart plays and be efficient there's certain other games where I mean, you know, you have a bad turn one, game's over, and, right. you know, it's not, you're not tabled out yet, but the writing's on the wall, you know what's going to happen the rest of the game. Yeah, it's like, I feel like something we say in our club is, like, there are two points in every game where you think you're going to win and when you're going to lose, and it's just how that lines up with the end of the game is who, who determ- get, how the winner gets determined. Just to kind of circle back, how did you get into Miniatures Wargaming? Okay, how did I get into Miniatures Wargaming? So, uh, when I was about uh, 13 or 14... Me and a buddy of mine, I, his, his older brother and their friends played some sort of tabletop games. We had no idea about them, but we knew there was a store close by that sold the stuff. So I ended up, you know, crashing his place. The next day we walked to a little store called, ah, uh, geez, I think it was called Starscape Games. It doesn't exist anymore. And we got into buying some of the uh, Mech Warrior Clicks. The, oh, okay. So, yeah. 
Definitely, uh, the company I think was WizKids yeah. were producing it at the time. Uh, so that's how we got started is playing that. And then eventually, you know, the, the older brother and them kind of went, okay, you know, this is, the, let's show you the, the Warhammer Fantasy. That's yeah. the game that we play. Here's the real stuff. Yeah, exactly. Now you're ready for the next level. Um, so I got into buying some fantasy miniatures, but then the first proper, I guess more traditional war game I played was uh, third edition Warhammer 40k. Okay, yeah. That was a pretty common one for a lot of people. Yeah. It's a big addition. Right, yeah. Yeah. And what army did you start with? Uh, the army I started with was, uh, it was Dark Eldar way back in the day. And that was because uh, I was a kid that had no money. Right. And so the starter set at the time had Dark Eldar Warriors uh, versus, it was Space Marines and a Land Speeder. Right. I think and I remember that set. So, you know, whenever you go out there, people would buy the starter set for because they wanted the rules and the Space Marines. So there's lots of cheap Dark Eldar out there. Yeah. So that was... Perfect that was start. Yeah. I, I think that army never got over the 1,000-point mark. Right. And then I ended up jumping into uh, Blood Angels. Right. And then you were saying you started... You played some fantasy as well before. Yep. Um, so I dabbled a little bit in 6th edition fantasy. Uh, played more 7th edition than anything else. And I was a... Uh, Vampire Counts player back then. Right. So, And then um, that was back and forth, and that was, you know, it was difficult to get a game in. Um, so eventually I went more back into uh, 40K. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I maintained both of them at the same time. Right around 5th edition 40K, I had uh, stopped playing that and went over to War Machine. Okay. Um, played that quite heavily. And then uh, eventually got hired on by this company called Mini Wargaming and right. started playing. Oh, geez, when I got hired, I got hired because I knew how to play 40K, 30K, Age of Sigmar, Warhammer Fantasy, War Machine Hordes, uh, X-Wing, and Armada. Right. And then Blood Bowl and some other little games here and there. So I was doing all that stuff and in the early days. And now you can add Kings of War to that list. Now I can add, yep, now I can add Kings of War to that list. It was something that I know I had looked into a little bit. There just wasn't much of a local scene. Right. Um, I think it's come a long way in the last year and a half. I think, you know, we've had our you know group in Hamilton and there's some people at Oshawa and then Kitchener-Waterloo and I think we're starting to link up and there's even a small group in London now so I think Southern Ontario is becoming a bit of a hotbed for Kings of War and I think if we can start getting some events down here yep. in Welland as well as in Hamilton and Oshawa I think getting that network of, of events and to build that community will be really great going forward. Well yeah because I mean I look at it and I've encountered a lot of people that uh, you know, have their square base miniatures from game systems that don't exist anymore, mm-hmm. and they kind of, you know, they they're they're not eager to change over to round bases to play, you know, Age of Sigmar, and they yeah. they like their rank and flank games, Absolutely. but you know they can't get games in. So I think you know I think we're we're at a really interesting point um, in gaming in that you see a lot of people wanting to get into the rank and flank games. Right. You know, they're a little bit tired of the skirmish style. They want to try something different. And then you've got, you know, some of the old grumblers that don't right. want to rebase their miniatures. So I think this is, you know, a perfect time um, to draw in, you know, existing war gamers into Absolutely. Kings of War, as well as introduce this to, you know, a whole new 
uh, group of people that have never played a game like this. So I think, yeah, we're, we're in a really good spot. There's a ton of people in this area that I think, you know, would be interested in something like this. So I'm very excited for the potential opportunity to, you know, start hosting um, you know, organize tournaments, events, stuff like that, but also just, you know, trying to work with the community and come up with certain gaming nights, say, yeah. you know, let's say Monday night's going to be the night that we'll make sure that the event hall's open nice and late for people. Right. And, you know, come on down, play some games, and just, you know, whatever people want for events is what we can kind of aim yeah. for. Yeah, absolutely. And, like, we're the Hamilton crew is close by, so we are more than happy to come down and host uh, demo days and gaming nights just to kind of help build it down here and then keep going. And like we can have another couple tournaments here next year or even later this year just to kind of help build the scene. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, I'm we're we're totally down mm-hmm. for for working with the community, and I, I think it's one of those where you know we we've worked really hard for this facility and to create something that you know it's a nice place for people to come play. So. The, the the more and more we can use it for a variety of different games, the more excited I am for that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's great that we live in a time and where a facility like this can exist for us tabletop nerds. Yes. Like this is, you know, if you don't, you really should check out the website. And I think there's a, a YouTube tour of the facilities. Uh, I think there's one. I don't know if it's the best tour. I don't think it does it justice if you're able to come visit. Yeah. It definitely, I think, is a little bit more impactful. But um, even beyond that, yeah, there, there's enough stuff you can find online, some video yeah. tours of the facilities. I think it's a great thing. And I think the Kings of War community should be taking advantage of this space. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great going forward, I think. Yeah, and I think the big thing is that it, it, it's just going to be for us you know, getting that message out that, mm-hmm. you know, hey, if you guys want to come play this here, come play this here. Like, yeah. don't think that we're only interested in certain people playing certain games. This is about building that community up, the wargaming community and the gaming community overall. So that's why, you know, I'm excited for the opportunity to speak to you about this kind of stuff and right. kind of put that message out there that we want more people coming and playing games. That's what's important to us. Absolutely. This has been a great like eye-opening experience like I thought I've seen some nice game stories in my time but this facility is great and I'm excited going forward so yeah thanks for taking thanks for taking the time Josh hey anytime thanks for having me on the show all right this is Alex Kuz the countercharge Canadian correspondent here with Kyle Prezelinski of Mastercrafted Gaming and Mantic now we're here in my backyard in Welland Ontario and Kyle's going to tell us why. So it was my idea to collaborate with Mini Wargaming. These guys are probably the biggest you know, name in video producing content out there for any kind of game system. And they've been around for such a long time and they have such a great audience, especially that like GW audience. Right. And we wanted to reach out to them. We want to pull new people into the game. So we got a lot of hype around the new edition dropping and right. this is a big deal to sort of bring people in in a way that we haven't before. So second edition, obviously, the, the you know mass exodus that happened, people looking refugees, right. that was one step. Now we need to take that next step. Yeah, so evolution. third edition, yeah, third edition is the next step in that. So there is no harm in coming to these guys and saying, hey, we know you've got some great models. They're sitting around somewhere. Mm-hmm. Come try our system out. And this was a perfect, a, a perfect example of giving that audience a good look. Right, so it's another chance to like, grow the community in a, a new direction. Yeah. And how's that going to... How 
How did that go this week? So these guys have been extremely responsive to it. Right. They are super excited to see these fantasy models all of a sudden, you know, square bases. Everyone's been talking about yeah. it. And the entire staff and studio here is interested in collecting. That's amazing. Uh, they were asking me about armies and what they do. And they wanted to look at, you know, their actual play styles and see what they could collect. And, and it's that sort of excitement is great because if these guys get into it, they're going to want to produce more content for it. Exactly. You guys can get, you know, a local scene going and then right. all of a sudden everything's coming together. Yeah. And you have some great showcase armies here. Like, yeah. You're, Undead and Night Stalkers and get some Abyssal Dwarves. They all look great. And those yeah. are great Mantic properties. Right. So, I mean, obviously we want to show off the Mantic stuff, but to the audience that we're targeting here, right. they may not have as much of an example of what Mantic is. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've gotten so many comments this weekend. Oh, those are Mantic? Yeah. You know, it's it, people don't realize, like, yes, those are Mantic. So yeah. they, they get overlooked, you know, pretty often. And once you get involved in the game and you see the stuff more often and you see the newer things that are coming out absolutely have you seen the new elves and yeah incredible and you showed us a couple uh, teaser pictures off your laptop and let me tell you guys what's coming down the pipeline is some really nice stuff yeah so a lot of attention on the quality of the miniatures that we make Um, Hellboy was a big turnaround for that if you notice like when Hellboy came out that's when the miniature quality got turned up quite a bit the Vanguard stuff's been everything since Vanguard and Hellboy Mm -hmm. has just been like excellent in yeah. my mind, like, and it's no longer just affordable miniatures mm-hmm. wargaming. It's like high quality miniatures wargaming. Right. And I think people wanted that sort of middle ground. Yeah, a little more so because you know, yeah, it was cheap. Yeah, you get models for you know a dollar model, even less yeah. sometimes. Yeah, a bucket of zombies for a couple bucks. You know. Right, but we really have a hobby focused community here. Yeah, the, we, the diorama style basing. Like, you want to put good looking stuff on bases, and you don't want that to be. Uh, lower quality models. Yeah, we get that at our local club, and like the Kings of War guys, I've said it before. Like we're the guys with the nice terrain and nice looking yeah. armies because it is a visually appealing game. Seeing those big blocks of troops on like diorama, multi basing, mm-hmm. and the nice terrain, it just looks good on the tabletop, and it's it's attractive. So that's part of what we talked about. We did a a sit and talk on how to draw people into the edition, like right. what the high points are of the game. So we talked about hobby, we talked about community. You know, we've got one of the best communities in any game system out there. And I really strongly believe that. Uh, the competitiveness of the game, it's balanced really well. We spend a lot of time with the rules committee, getting things right. You know, we float ideas back and forth. They make sure they tell us if what's you know going to work and what doesn't. Um, those things all combined, we have a very solid game system, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of faith in it. And you know, we just we're going to push it. We got we have to push it and show people what we have because it's good. Yeah. They just need to know about it. Exactly, and like I think I've only been. You know, interviewing people for characters for for about a week. Okay, and, but even then, it's like the common theme is that the strength of the game has played such a strong role in the strength of the community. Mm-hmm. And it's like how positive and friendly and welcoming the community is is a reflection of how good the game is. Mm-hmm. You don't get those abusive personality types. In yeah. Kings of War, because there's nothing to abuse. You, right. If you, you've got no reason to get upset about something, because it's, yeah. it's very simple. Like, I, okay, I see what you did. Got you. Good. Yeah. Okay. And I just gotta say, from you know a local TO's perspective, mm-hmm. in Ontario, where you know sometimes Canada can be a little feel a little isolated because sure. you know the U.S. is ten times the size. It's great to have you guys up here, you know, supporting the system, pushing you know, third edition and, you know, with the promotions and look and working with such a large company like Mini Wargaming. It's something that people forget about my position is that I'm the North American 
Right. Sales executive. So what that means is I, I'm in charge of Canada too. So everything yeah. that's going on up here is my responsibility as well. And this was a good first step. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, Canada is a big place. It's, so uh, you started in the right place. It's close to me. Yeah. And and I know a lot of the major cities are over here. You know, on the eastern you know side of the country. So let's start here. Let's start with a big name that everybody knows and see what we can pull in. And that's the goal. So you guys, you had the opportunity to talk to the staff here and see if you can host events and things like that. So uh, amazing chance for things to get going here. And the more you play here, the more people see it. Exactly. The more can grow. They've even got a store built into here so we can get product in here. And then that way people can order stuff from them. And that's that's the plan. That's all of it. And if we can get, you know, some a local game night going, you know, regularly host some events Mm -hmm. and then even get some battle reps. Yep. up on their website get some more exposure yes for our scene and the game overall that's huge because several of these people like i said want to get into it if they yes. have armies and you have armies and then you want to come on here and film that's totally fine yeah and i don't even need to come up for that and that saves me a lot of money so exactly it's a team effort it's a community the community is wide reaching and i think that's the great a great part and yeah. working together with the company it's like we're happy to work hard promoting the game because the end result is just more opponents yeah. and a better game and so you got a tour of the place too so you got to see yes oh yeah there's how a, much stuff is here it's incredible like there's some photos that i'll post on the countercharge page of the just the terrain warehouse yeah and then there's the multiple rooms to record battle reps there's you know five hotel rooms essentially yeah. up in the top floor and then there's you know 16 gaming tables in the main gaming room it's it's extensive. It is a mecca for nerds that want to play games. Yeah, if it's, you're anywhere within, you know, travel distance. I was yeah. going to say driving distance, but really just travel distance yeah. of well in, like, about half hour from Buffalo Airport, mm-hmm. about an hour from Hamilton Airport. It is worth the trip for sure. This is my first trip to Canada. So wow. literally first time I've been here. I got the passport for this trip. and Nice. Yeah. So uh, I've enjoyed it. Uh, tiny little cultural differences are a lot oh, of fun. Thank you. Yeah. So... Uh, it's been a good experience. I'm really excited to come up again, though. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the Game Beyond the Wall tournament is next next July 18th, okay. 19th. We'll expect a Mantic representation. Sure. <laughs> they, well, they're sending me all over the place right now. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's been great to talk to you. Great to meet you in person, finally. Yeah, absolutely. And like, this is a great venue to have it all happen in. Yeah. All right. Thanks Put it all together. Thanks. All right. This is... Countercharge Canadian correspondent Alex Coos here with the A team following the Crossroads team tournament. We're just going to do a quick recap of uh, last weekend's event uh, with here Steve, Steve MacArthur. Steve MacArthur, hello. John McCready. Hi. And Mike McCready. Hello. So we're just going to kind of go back around the horn. You guys are going to introduce yourselves, give us a little bit of background on what got you into Kings of War, what armies you play. And, you know, something interesting about yourself, maybe. So, Steve? Uh, so, Steve MacArthur. Uh, Crossroads this year, I came with Ogres. Uh, last year, when we all went to Crossroads, the first time I brought Varengar, and that was sort of my first uh, Kings of War list. That was like a 15-year project from Warhammer Fantasy, which was uh, the game that Alex and I were basically committed to back in 5th uh, and 6th edition. And we all just sort of packed that in. Everything got shelved and dusty, and uh, Kings of War sort of came around, and uh, a friend of mine at the local ga- uh, local game store, Black Knight, he just, uh, he's one of the dabblers, just keeps picking up rules, dropping them, pick up rules, dropping them. He showed me Kings of War, 
And when I saw it, I was like, hey, it's a game with everything I loved about fantasy and none of the stuff I hated. Alex would love this. It's true. So, showed it to Alex and the two of us just, you know, whole hog dove into Kings of War. Yeah. And then it's just been a roller coaster ride up since then. Yeah, I haven't looked back. Yeah. All right. So, John, what'd you uh, bring to Crossroads and how'd you get into Kings of War? So, this year at Crossroads, I brought the Dirty Elves. Um, and I don't feel bad about it. I came to Kings of War after I've been collecting fantasy models for a long, long time. And I've been playing War Machine recently for years and was happy to find Kings of War as a fantasy game that also has a fantastic community. So I switched over from War Machine. I've been playing Kings of War for just over a year. Um, and I'm very happy that I made the switch. Nice. How about you, Mike? Uh, I brought dwarves to Crossroads this year and to Crossroads last year. Uh, I got into King's War about the same time as John because I think it started with him saying, come over, I have a new game to play. Uh, and I don't really have a gaming background beyond that. Uh, I had one regiment of dwarves from Warhammer Fantasy from when I was a small child. And otherwise, it's been just King's of War. Nice. So yeah, we've been all playing together since, I guess... It was just before Crossroads last year in August when we kind of cobbled the team together and kept the team together for a solid year and had a bit of a better showing this year, improved from 9th out of 12 Much teams better. to 7th out of 18th. So we had a solid improvement. Yeah. I, of course, brought rats this year as I did last year. Of course. And we all did a little bit better than we did last year. Our painting scores improved. And uh, the tournament itself was a lot bigger but the mood in the room, I think, was just as good, if not better. Yeah, um, for sure. So what what do you think was like the biggest change coming from Crossroads, between Crossroads last year and Crossroads this year for you, Steve? Uh, for me, I, well, I mean, obviously the biggest change was the army. I was the only one on, uh, on the team to change armies last year over this year. So I spent a year trying, oh, no, wait, no, that's not true. That's not true at all. Sorry, John. That's uh, John and I both changed. But uh, for me, the biggest change was, uh, well, changing the army. But uh, the fact that I actually bought half that ogre army from uh, Jake at Crossroads last year. Yeah. And I got the other half from the Vanguard Kickstarter and some other odds and ends. So I actually put together a whole army in a year as a painting project, which for me was a huge first. Yeah, it's a lot like faster I've than 15. Never, I've never put together like a whole playable army in like... That space of time, which I mean, I'm sure most of the people listening to this would laugh at that because, but I'm a really slow painter. So for me, that was a huge personal accomplishment. Nice. So John, you also brought a different list. What'd you bring last year and what'd you bring this year? How did that change things? So last year was my first like competitive games that weren't with my little brother, Mike. So it, uh, it also required a painted army, which I had been playing elves before and did not have more than like five models painted, but I had a bunch of war machine stuff that I was able to port over and do minimum model count and get painted up a lot faster. So I brought herd and got soundly tabled numerous times. That's why I forgot about them. Yeah, so last year to this year, um, my record is much improved, uh, and I'm just happy I was able to have competitive games against, you know, very competitive players. So very different, much more, 
uh, competitively enjoyable experience versus last year, which it was still lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, not winning a game last year, it still stings. So, else. Yeah. Else. That's right. <laughs> Solution to all and cause of all Kings of War problems. You're not wrong. Uh, Mike, uh, how did the, the year treat you and what, what, what kind of different uh, experience did you have this year? Um, I don't think I really noticed a big change from this year to last year. I mean, I brought the same army with some slight tweaks to it, had five excellent games again. Uh, my record ended up about the same as last year, but I think generally having that extra year of experience, because Crossroads is also my first major competitive tournament, uh, so that extra year of experience definitely made it uh, just kind of a more smooth experience overall. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, having that be our first major Kings of War tournament, like across the board, mm-hmm. may, again, having a year of, you know, we run a few one days around here and we had King Beyond the Wall in July. And I know John and I have been to a few, like, Unplugged in Orktown. So just getting a little more comfortable with the format and gaming all weekend and just, you know, the socializing and just being a little less you know, surprised or like having it not be just completely new made the, it almost made it more enjoyable. Like the first year it's all new and exciting. And this year it's like, Oh, I'm comfortable here. So you can kind of relax and enjoy the experience a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Also helped that it was two pairs of strangers driving down for five hours in a car together. That was true too. So weren't strangers driving back though. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah, last year, the the four of us, Steve and I knew each other, and obviously John and Mike knew each other, but we had met like two weeks prior. One time. Yeah, Yeah. one night of practice games. Yeah. So that was interesting and fortuitous that we all got along well enough to still be on the same team a year later. Yeah. Um, So what's the, what do you think the best aspect of Crossroads as an event like what is it? What what makes it special? Crossroads? Yes. Oh, the people. I mean, honestly, it's. I mean, back when I would, uh, this is the first time I've been in like a real, like, uh, competitive, repetitive tournament scene where I'm like, you know, playing large scale tournaments against people. Like I did it back in like old Warhammer yeah, yeah, fantasy days. Six, yeah. Back when I was uh, doing the. Uh, Kitchener Waterloo scene and to get back into that and like you know seeing people that you know and playing them again and like just that that the scale of that many people and they're all amazing like it's just it's just a fantastic group of people to play with right and that's honestly that's what I take from Crossroads more than anything else how about you John team formats for me are always more fun because there's the added kind of twist of who you can pair up with who you can mitigate matchups it makes it a much more strategic event rather than just okay i'm playing x uh, i finished in y position and now i gotta play um cory reynolds great so uh, the team format lets you maybe Did that actually happen? pair up a... no not to me oh god <laughs> no no never i'm just saying in my wildest dreams that would happen where uh, week at that point. After round uh, one, you're in a position where you could play Corey. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Where I where I could draw Corey. That's right. I want to be in that position eventually. Um, but Crossroads lets you 
kind of play with that a little bit and get matchups that might be more favorable or just let you dodge one that would be a showstopper for you otherwise. Hmm. How about you, Mike? I mean, I think John and Steve kind of summed it up nicely already. The two big things about Crossroads are obviously the, the whole community in Kings of War has been great to play at any event so far. And then the team format, team format for the tournament um, certainly makes Crossroads stand out over some other GTs where you, no matter how your individual games go, you're either winning or losing as a team, which makes it uh, makes it a lot of fun for sure. Yeah, because like even if you have like a bad game, you can still be encouraged because like I don't think we all had bad games at the same time this weekend. No. So it's like if one of us, we could all be happy that one of us close. actually won. But yeah, <laughs> but you pulled it out <laughs> against John Hulse has a positive. Than, but uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like you. You're always cheering your your teammates on at the same time. So like, yeah. even if you have like a terrible game with like luck where nothing goes right, something else went right along the row of tables for you to like actually be happy about. Yeah, it kind of makes it feel almost like one big game with just four separate skirmishes going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So staying with you, Mike, um, what was your most memorable thing that happened? that I got at the Crossroads weekend? Like, That's a good question. I mean, I think for me, the most memorable part was the improvement in our paint scores, actually, because the paint scores were not super last year, and this no. year we actually all did very well, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is kind of a, a mark of the improvement we've all had as a team and as individuals between the two, the two Crossroads events. Yeah, yeah, we all ended up making display boards this year, and I think I was the only one. I didn't have a multi-based army last year, so I'll take the the, the bullet for uh, knocking us down a bit last year. <laughs> but uh, we're, we all have multi-based armies with display boards. I think that did make a big difference, and they all look good. I think. Yeah. I, well, uh, and I think we've all we've all added some touches to our armies over the past year that have have kind of bumped them up a peg or two. And yeah. Steve's new ogre army is amazing, and it all worked Thank out really you. well. How about you, John? His elves, most... also, his elves also look amazing. They look all right, yeah. They're elves still, though, so... Um, they're fine. They're, they're still elves, yeah. What was the most memorable uh, for... thing? That's a tough question. Um, Clearly, we prepared. Yeah, it's not well, like I gave well, anyone there's... questions beforehand. No, of course not. Uh, I'm just trying to think of how to... So we got to play almost the exact lineup that we played last year. Yeah, we had three except of... in reverse. Yeah, three of the same... Three of the five teams we played this year, we played last year. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to play, um, I actually got to play a rematch against Mike Austin, uh, which this time luck was in my favor and uh, I was able to squeak out a little win. So that was probably my most memorable moment. And it just, it was a very, very tight game that one mistake either way would have blown it open and neither of us made it. It just went my way just barely. But I was, uh, that's probably the most memorable moment because I, I feel like it shows that I've improved somewhat yeah. not to the highest level yet but i've definitely improved from last year so yeah. awesome yeah so it's nice to and have i like... give mike credit for teaching the elves so there's that there you go he, yeah he he uh he showed you the the true power of the dark side last year <laughs> he, he did he showed me last year and this year i brought it back for him nice. so yeah and that was actually one of the neat things we had three of the same teams and i think out of those three teams they brought back all but one player as was the same yeah. i think i think so it was a good gauge to see how we also did better in two of the three matchups. Yep, absolutely. 
There you go. How, Steve, how, what was the most memorable moment for you for the weekend? Uh, so to echo John's statement about uh, meeting a lot of the same teams, uh, standing across the table from uh, uh, John from Kings of Holics for yeah. the first round when he was my last round, and he gave me a solid pasting last year. And I managed to, to I was I was winning all game, but he ended up to pull it back to a tie, and it was just a super intense game. Yeah. And it was just uh just just cat and mouse and then straight into bash and straight into swinging back and forth. It was just a just a one of the more dynamic games I've ever played. And then uh to to end it at the other end of the tournament to uh play uh Sean McGormley again. Yeah. Uh, and to be soundly packed up and shipped off the table by his elves. Yeah. It was, uh, no, it was good. It was great to see Sean again on the table. I was really glad I got to play him again. Yeah. Because that was also, that was probably one of my most memorable games from the, uh, from the last year. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of continuation and that was really nice. Yeah. I really think, nice to play a lot of the same people again. Awesome. Yeah. I think for me, it was like day one went really well for me, which was nice because like last year was a little bit of up and down. So it was nice to just have a nice solid day against like three amazing opponents. Like mm. it was just everyone's super great. And then to have two rematches on Sunday of like probably two favorite games from last year against Alex Chavez and Noah Nathanson, who had two close games last year. So the complete opposite of you guys, I just and I just got thumped hard all day Sunday. So it was memorable. They're both great games, but I did not improve on my performance last year against them. Anyway, overall for the whole weekend I did, but that was just a painful, painful Sunday. But it was in a good way. It was fun, like against great opponents. Moving on, like from, like, is there any overall thoughts about the whole weekend that like you want to talk about? Like, what was like we got to talk about most memorable mom- moments? What we like most about Crossroads? Is there anything that else from the weekend that? comes to mind that you want to share um honestly just to i i think i've said my piece really it's just the fact that to play so many great games with such a, a great batch of people yeah with you know a group of guys that i've been gaming with steady for a year mm-hmm. it's really just the package deal yeah i mean it's, it's everything you want out of gaming in in one concise weekend awesome so i, I absolutely love it can't wait for next year Mike, John, they're giving me they a thumbs up. They can't see your thumbs up, but, you know, okay. Alex can. Yeah, I can. So <laughs> I was guys, just going to say that, like, the, the board gaming in the evenings, too, was a lot of fun this year, whereas last mm-hmm. year I didn't partake in it as much because, you know, new places and new people and everything. But now that we're getting more into the, the general scene, it was a lot of fun just hanging out with everybody in the evenings. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nice because, like, the Friday and Saturday night last year, yeah, it was a little odd because, like, you're, like, it's our first time meeting a lot of these people this year is about, like, catching up and a lot of those guys were here for the king beyond the wall too so like there's been like a chance to like build up some like you know long distance friendships you know at least familiarity so you can look forward to hanging out with them um i think it just our experience you know is pretty universally good with crossroads and just the overall scene with uh, the, the kings of war scene in the northeast like it just everyone seems to be great our community here seems to be growing and I think, you know, it shows like in our performance at Crossroads. I think it's encouraging that we are, you know, we actually improved across the board and 
you know, we got the scene growing here. We brought two teams. Yeah, there's two Canadian teams. Brindley, Ashley, Ray, and Matt had a yep. team up. And uh, they did all right, too. So I think they won Best Team Spirit, which they had wearing mm-hmm. Canadian flags all weekend. So that was... Yeah. <laughs> um, I think going forward, I think third edition is coming up soon. So I know John and I had a chance to talk to Kyle on Friday about uh, third edition. He was doing a, a demo at Mini Wargaming at their gaming bunker, which is an incredible, incredible facility. There's a little slightly deeper dive into that uh, in the episode as well, when John and I were there to talk with Josh and Kyle. But what are you guys looking forward to with respect to third edition coming up? Uh, well, immediately, um, because I've just finished off that Ogre Army for Crossroads. It's my army that I've got going into third. Mm-hmm. So I'm actually pretty excited about um, Wild Charge. That seems like a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the um, and really just uh, the other one, uh, the other rule about uh, measuring from corners oh, instead of yeah, center. You, can, I read you that. measure from any point on the front face yeah. as opposed so to the center point both both rules that are that i think are going to really help the ogres so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing what ogres can do yeah in be... the in the new in the brave new world of third edition yeah because you've only been using them for a couple yeah, months i now. haven't been playing ogres that long uh probably a couple months yeah nice how about you guys john mike um I mean, I'm kind of excited just for a general shakeup in the meta. Like, they've done it a bit with the Clash of Kings books, changing the odd thing here or there. But all the the tidbits they've been teasing out for 3rd edition kind of show that there's going to be a big change to how some of the armies play. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to see how that, all that shakes out. Nice. I know John. I know what John isn't excited about. <laughs> <laughs> well, so there are definitely changes coming to the elves that most people would assume I'd be very unhappy about. So most people would assume I'd be very unhappy about the changes that are coming to elves. However, there are other changes that open up a lot of new possibilities. Yeah. So there will always be a way to play an army how you want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've already got some nasty, nasty ideas. Nice. Yeah, I think... Because that's John. Well, and I think when <laughs> we, you've been playing an army for a long stretch, it's like sometimes you think, oh, I think I need a change of pace, but then a new edition comes and it just reframes the puzzle that the army presents so that you have a chance to take a totally different look at it yeah, and like do something new and like same old army in a whole new way. Exactly. Like I, yeah. I don't know what, hold, like, what, what the future holds for rats, but uh, you know, Kyle did let us take a small peek at armies of Panathor. <laughs> I'm not sure if we're allowed to let anyone else know that, but I think <laughs> we'll always be able to, you'll always be able to, figure it out in the way that kings of war is so balanced that no matter what changes you'll always be able to have an army that is competitive like even the brotherhood looks like they might have a competitive army now so two brotherhood army yeah amazing yeah so i think that and then um, obviously i've mentioned before on the podcast that 
you know, I'm building up my North Northern Alliance. So I'm pretty excited to paint up some big monsters and trolls. And I think it'll be a great demo army for the, for the club, for yep. uh, the store. Cause Frost Giant and Chimera will be, you know, great centerpieces and attract a lot of attention, which just ties into the fact that Mantic's quality of miniatures is getting better. Like John and I looked at some of the preview pictures for elves and they look great. And then, you know, there's, Abyssal Dwarves in the pipeline too, and then the mm-hmm. League of Infamy Kickstarter is going to have a whole bunch of new stuff. So I'm pretty excited for just like some fresh miniatures from Mantics that you know it's not a chore or it's not a you know you don't have to make a sacrifice to have an all Mantic army. So one secret that I think we can share is that the League of Infamy Kickstarter is going to be the access point for a lot of new miniatures that they're releasing. Yeah. So there are definitely a lot of new sculpts coming out. There's new new models coming out, um, and they look good. Like Those gorgeous elf sculpts in the video. Yeah. There are some really nice elf sculpts coming, um, and I mean, I've been told dragons are going to be a thing, so... You know, there's going to be riders maybe for the one that they showed in the preview. So it should be, they should be looking good. So the, the that League of Infamy Kickstarter that's coming up is going to be one to pay attention to. Yeah, it's going to be one you'll want to support to get to those stretch goals because they're going to be nice. Sweet. Do you guys have any uh, final parting words about Kings of War gaming in Southern Ontario or just words of wisdom for the community at large? I don't want to get existential about Kings of War. No, I mean, honestly, uh, we've met a lot of great people over the past year, just between this crossroads and last one. There's a lot of great people, some near, some far, but honestly, it's just, it's a great game and it's only getting easier to find more people to play this great game. So I'm just going to, keep plowing through because it's only going up mccready's so i don't i don't have any wisdom i mean i play (laughs) short supply the uh what i can say is that the kings of war community is definitely very different than the other gaming communities i've been a part of and much more enjoyable to belong to so i've very much enjoyed the switch over um, and I mean, gaming in Southern Ontario is getting bigger and better. I mean, our trip down to the mini wargaming bunker was, it's insane. He said it's 11 and a half thousand square feet of gaming madness, full gaming hall. They have hotel rooms on site. Like if you can get there and check it out, um, it's in Welland, Ontario is not that far really. Uh, so we're uh, we're excited to work with them and probably put an event on there soon and uh, see if we can get some some more people into Kings of War down there. I got nothing. Fair. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> Mike McCready, everyone. Dwarfs bringing up the work rear, nice and quiet. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and until next time, keep countercharging. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time on Countercharge. Please let us know what you thought of the show by emailing us at counterchargepodcast at gmail.com, on Twitter at countercharge15, 
If you enjoy the show, you can help others find out about it by leaving positive reviews on iTunes. Until next time, keep countercharging. Music is a composition of Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons. You know, they're all trying to uh, tape up Corey's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He's so stupid. <laughs> Why'd you say this at me? Because you're loud. I was laughing. I know. Am I not allowed to laugh? So jubilant. Is your tournament like anti-laughter? No. They were just being joined by Mike Austin, uh, mid-Atlantic uh, impresario. Mike, Mike wants to have his voice heard. Yeah, he needs a little attention. I just turned it down earlier. Yeah. You're on. You're on. You're I can't believe you threw this at me. Uh, I didn't throw it at you. I actually threw it at Josh. I just missed. <laughs> threw it at Josh. Yeah. Josh. Who you were just talking to? The guy with the beers. Josh. Yeah. As, I, as we're spouting off about the community, how close we are. Yes. Who am I talking to? I don't know. Dominoes. Gross. All right. We can uh, edit this out later. Yes, yeah, yeah, so you'll have a long cut that you take out. I'll take one of those. So, so the, the sign-off is don't stop countercharging. So who wants to do it? So that this was the A team for countercharge, and remember, don't stop countercharging. Countercharging. Okay, let's try that again. So this <laughs> this was the A team <laughs> for countercharge, and remember, don't, don't stop countercharging. Okay, why don't you give us like a visual cue? We I did. I, I was trying to John. John, John you do it. Below your video. So, okay, I'll, I'll count down to three. Go, okay. So this was the A team for countercharge, and remember, don't stop. Don't stop countercharging. Perfect.